It's His Word, amen? amen? And He knows how to minister it through our lives. Take advantage of every time we have together. It's not a bondage. We're not legalistic. <coughs> I'm saying take advantage of all the time you have to gather with God's people and to hear His Word. Sunday school, church, the prayer meetings. We need it. If you don't think you need it, you're going to find out you need it the further as long as we go in, in this life with the Lord and the darkness gets darker and darker around us. We're going to find out more and more that this is uh, a blessing and we need to lay hold of it. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 16. We're going to read 22 through 24. Wonderful passage of Scripture. Passage of scripture. John 16, 20, well, I'm sorry, 23 and 24. Verse 23, And in that day you shall ask Me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in My name, He will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in My name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. And I read something like that that the Lord said, and I said, what a promise from the Lord. What a gift to believers. To those that believe, what a promise. He says, ask and you'll receive. Uh, same thing in Matthew 7 and also in Luke where we know the passage. We've talked a lot about prayer in Sunday school and we did that whole series on prayer. And asking it shall be given you. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. And uh, Wiggles, Smith Wigglesworth said, God is, and I'm paraphrasing, more willing to answer than we are to ask. I believe that's true because we see in the Scriptures, He's saying, ask. Hitherto you've asked Me nothing. He says, ask the Father in My name. And He's going to give it. Up to now, you haven't really. I want you to ask Me. Okay? God's more willing for, to give than we are to ask a lot of times for whatever reason. Either we're just caught up in the world or we don't believe God cares about me or my need is too small or whatever it may be. And so a lot of times we don't ask but I believe there are a lot of Christians that don't ask and they're not receiving. But I believe, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, having said that, I believe there's a lot of Christians that are asking that are not receiving. And I'm going to look this morning at some hindrances that, to our prayer life. And specifically one I want to focus on this morning, okay? Specifically one. And I just want to give this Scripture. You don't have to turn there. I wrote it down. But uh, in First Peter, Peter is talking to the wives and how they're to be towards their husbands. Christian wives. And we studied that in our Wednesday night series. And then he tells husbands. He says, Husbands likewise dwell with them, your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel or more valuable vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And it's interesting that he puts that at the end of that scripture, husbands and wives, because you know what? There are things genuine believers really say, born again, have believed the Bible, not off into you know, some kind of new age or something like that, uh, that our prayers can be hindered. And he says right here, for one reason, if a husband's not dealing with his wife, spiritually as an equal and cherishing her and loving her as Christ loved the church and so forth and walking together with them side by side in God and things of God, then that man goes to pray and he wonders why his prayers never answered. And he's a real Christian. You see what I'm saying? Well, he tells us in his word so he doesn't leave us wondering. He says, here's how I want you to be with your wife, that your prayers not be hindered. In other words, the hindrance to prayer would be a result of not doing what he tells us to there. And so we know in the Bible that, um, that there are different conditions to our prayer. We have these wonderful promises of the Lord, but there are also some conditions. And I'm not limiting God. I'm simply saying we need to see the whole counsel of God. It's not a limit to God at all. He still can do anything at, for anybody, however He wants, and He still calls us to pray. Okay, But there are conditions upon that which we're going to talk about. Some are obvious and one that may not be so obvious that we're going to look at this morning. How, how many times, for example, in your lifetime, in your Christian lifetime, have you heard your church or your people in your church or the national cry maybe from some national minister pray for revival? We've heard it a lot. And I know there are little things that we might consider revivals. Um, but as far as like what we read about the Welch revivals or the early awakenings in this country and so forth, 
we haven't seen that in our lifetimes. We have not. And we're praying for that. We say, we haven't seen revival. I haven't seen it in my church, for example. I haven't seen it in our nation. And, and people are praying for big things and they're praying Christians and they're, they're sincere. We ought to pray for these things. Okay? I'm not ridiculing that. Pray for revival. We pray for healings. And, and we pray for big things and we haven't seen it answered yet. And the Bible tells us, for example, that we must pray by faith. So unbelief definitely would be a hindrance to our prayer life, right? I'm just giving a couple before I really get into what I want to share this morning. I believe God gave me. Unbelief. Because the Bible says in James, when we're to ask for wisdom, for example, God gives it to all men liberally, so ask of God. But let him ask how? In faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the seas. Picture a wave. Driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. How about that? The double, he said a double-minded man is unstable, not in some of his ways, but in all of his ways. The double-mindedness would be, I believe God, I don't believe God. I think he can do it. No, I don't really think he can do it. You know, I'm trusting God. I'm walking with God. No, I'm not. I'm obeying God and walking with the Lord. No, I don't believe this gospel stuff. I think, I think it would be up and down. Up and down. God wants us to be constant. We have downs. God can quickly pick us up. We talked about taking advantage of being in church and being with the people of God and the Word of God because God strengthens our faith by the hearing of the Word. Okay? But still, he says, don't let that man think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Doesn't mean he's not saved. If he is saved, he's saved. But he's praying and calling out and not receiving like the man whose prayers are hindered because he's not treating his wife or dealing with his wife the way the Bible says. Let's look at another scripture here real, uh, real quickly. You can turn there, but I'm going to read it because I have it written down just for time's sake. Mark 11, if you're taking notes, 22 through 24. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Alright? Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, now he's teaching us, he just said it, he's going to reiterate it to us, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so somebody would take that scripture and I, we say amen to it because it's true, it's God's word. And they run off and what if they didn't know other scriptures from the Bible? What if they didn't know the whole Bible? Because the Bible also tells me this in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, if you're taking notes, that if we ask anything, this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask when we pray, we know that we have the petitions, I'm paraphrasing, that we've desired of Him. This is the confidence, okay, that if we ask anything according to His will. Lord, send everybody to hell. Well, that's not His will, okay? He's not going to do that. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. That's His will. So when you're praying for your lost loved ones, is that according to His will? Yes. Okay? They still have a choice. There's a mystery there. They're, they have a free will. But my point is, pray according to God's will. Pray according to what we know the revealed will of God is in His Word. So that could be another hindrance to God, to our prayers being answered, right? We're praying something. We're sincere as we can be. And we're praying to the right God, not some idol. And it's not God's will. Okay? And the best way we know is from His Word and the Holy Spirit leads us. Also, as we're praying, we need to wait. Because sometimes the answer is coming. It just hasn't come yet. We're... It's not that God has forsaken us, abandoned us, He doesn't hear us, He's, you know, or something not able to help us. We talked about that a good bit last week. Okay, so I don't want to go back over, but the Bible does say in Hebrews 10, for example, but ye have need of patience, and that after you have done the will of God, that you may receive the promise. You have need of patience, and I have need of patience. As believers, he's writing to Christians, that after you've done the will of God, done the will of God, I've prayed the will of God, I'm praying rightly, I'm doing rightly, I'm living rightly, and it's been a long time in coming what I've asked of God. But you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 
So that would be another thing. We just need to be patient and hang on. But <clears throat> we have to be honest with ourselves. And what we talked about last week was sometimes in our prayer life, it's not just the patience, it's not just the faith, it's not just the praying according to God's will. God, a lot of times, is trying to teach us His way. Remember, the Israelites knew the acts of God. They saw His works and His wonders and His miracles. And it affected them just like momentarily. It was like, wow. It was like fireworks and you watch them and God on display. Part in the Red Sea. Manna from heaven. It was like, wow. God is really something. Next day, make us some golden calves. We're going to worship them and go back to Egypt. So obviously there's more that Moses had laid hold on and Joshua and Caleb because they, but they spoke as was in their heart. They acted as was in their heart. The Bible says that the Israelites knew, knew God's wonders and works and miracles, but Moses knew his ways. God taught him his ways. So a lot of times when we're waiting or suffering for a long time, it is because, not that God can't answer or won't answer, it's because he's teaching us his ways. He taught Joseph his ways. It says he, the word of the Lord tried him. Now that was last week. What we want to look about, look at this week, a lot of times I think we say, well, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God for a spouse. I'm waiting on God for um, a calling of God. I'm waiting on God for this and that. And we're praying. And we're meeting all the criteria. We're being patient. We're praying according to His will. And there's another hindrance that I think sometimes we don't see. A lot of times I think God is waiting on us. I think that there are times where we're praying and praying and praying and God's saying, I'm waiting on you. There's something I've been trying to deal with you about. There's something I'm trying to tell you to step out and do. You know what I mean? It's like I'm waiting for uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to or, or the, to have evidence of, my, of another tongue and we feel it the Holy Spirit moving like rivers of living water, but we won't open our mouth to speak it. He's waiting on us sometimes. There's things sometimes that if we're honest, uh, He's waiting on us and that we are, we are the reason for the delay in our own blessing. We are the reason as believers for the answer, I mean, the delayed answer uh, to the prayer that's coming. And so... God's work and patience in us and we're abiding in Christ and so forth. But God, all, I need to be honest with the Lord and I need to be honest with myself. If you ever need to be honest, you've got to be honest with the Lord and you've got to be honest with yourself. Because yeah. even running into each other, we can appear a certain way that we may not be. We don't want to do that. But with the Lord, it's all laid bare. And God may be wanting to show me something in my life that's hindering me from receiving that blessing. I've been asking for 10 years, God, please do this. I know it's your will. I've got faith to believe you for it. And he's saying, I'm waiting on you, Randy, to do such and such, which I've already told you to do. And I'll help you to do. But you're not going to get this until you do this. So all I'm saying with that is we need to be honest with the Lord and search our hearts. And go before the Lord and let the word of God try us and let him show us. Job said towards the end of his trial in the last chapter of Job, you know, he'd gone through that amazing or those amazing trials like I would say no, none of us could even compare to. But he comes to the end of that. and He says, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see thee. Wherefore, I, re I loathe myself and repent in dust and ashes. I knew all about the Lord, and he was, a, he was a godly man. If he'd have died, he'd have gone to heaven. He, okay, but now the Lord showed him something else about himself through all the trial and bringing it to an end where God said, Stand up. I'm going to deal with you a little while, Job. And you, you know, you've asked me all these questions. Where, where were you? That, that always amazes me. And, and God just sets it straight. But he says, when Job saw that and the Lord spoke to him, he, he said, boy, I'm nothing. Who in the world did I think I was? And when we see God, He's able to reveal things to us about ourselves. Selfish desires, hypocrisy, uh, a heart that's got sin in it, faults, unbelief, 
uh, covetousness. He can show us these things. And we're ticking along pretty good and think we're doing pretty well with God. And we are Christians. Okay? We are growing. But, but it's in that deep heart searching. And I think we can live in that state. You understand what I'm saying? I think I can live that way. Where God is able to show me, you know, this is the hindrance to your blessing. This is the hindrance to your prayer being answered. And it's not that it's not according to His will or unbelief. It may be something else that He's dealing with us about. And I don't want to be the cause of my own delay to my blessing. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want it to be me. And I'm not pointing the finger. So everybody's got to leave here thinking, I've got this big hindrance to my prayers. I'm saying it's a, it's, it's a teaching, it's a truth from His Word that we are to examine ourselves in light of the Word of God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I'm asking you to do it, God. You know me. Right? You know me better than I know myself. See if there be. You tell me if there's any wicked way in me. And then you lead me in the ever, way everlasting. And so we come before the Lord like this. And I think uh, much of what we're lacking in the church or in the church world Power, we say, where's the spiritual power? Okay, where are all the miracles? Have you ever asked it? Why is it? Why isn't God doing miracles like He did in the apostles' day, where when Peter walked down the street, when His shadow fell on people, they were healed? They didn't do that every day in Peter's life, by the way, but it did happen. Okay, Gideon said. If the Lord be among us, he said to the angel that appeared to him when he was hiding out from the Midianites, if the Lord be among us, where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? You know, he's like uh, questioning that. So we're lacking things. We're, we're saying, where are the miracles? Where's the power? Where's the revival? Where are the, the outpouring of God's Spirit and the souls being saved? Where's peace in my own heart? Where are the financial blessings? And the reason may not be what commonly we would think. Oh, we just have to have more faith to believe. Right? And yet, maybe God is waiting on us in some instances. Not always. It could be unbelief. It could be that it's not His will. It could be He's teaching us patience and showing us His ways. But there could be something in our lives, or our church, for example, or our lives individually, that is hindering Him from doing it. Because God's not just going to change His character, His holy nature in order to give me what I want. He's going to be consistent with Himself and who He is. And I will be changed if it takes a long time or a little time. He's going to stay rock solid and be the rock and I'll be the one that's changed to come in line with Him. Alright? I'm glad God's not that way. I'm glad He's not floundering all over the place like politics. You know, it's just what what's popular... That's what we're going to go with to get the votes. Now, here's our key text. I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Okay, they've crossed, uh, they've crossed over the Jordan River. And what's the first thing they face before they inherit the promised land? They're going to have to take, take ground, take land, take cities that have giants in them and then walled cities and people that are greater and mightier than them, but they're not greater and mightier than their God. As long as they keep that in mind and obey the Lord, they're going to be fine. Because he says, I'm going to drive the lands out, the enemies out before you. So they're getting ready to face who? Jericho. They start with a tough one, with these walled cities. Right when they cross the river, that's what they're facing. Okay? So God tells them this very unusual plan about marching around the city, right? Once a day for six days, don't say a word. You've got a group of. Uh, priests before the ark, blowing the trumpet in the ark, and then some soldiers behind, and don't say a word, compass the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, get up early in the morning, compass the city seven days, and then then shout. There's going to be a time when you finish the seventh time, shout for the Lord's giving in the city. Well, there's some instructions that are given before they go in. Chapter 6, verse 16. Came to pass... At the seventh time, when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein. To the Lord, only Rahab the harlot, and that's another story, exciting story, shall live, she and all those that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent, that we sent. 
And ye, and this is what I want us to look at, and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver, gold, vessels of brass, iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So when you go in there, all the metal, the, the valuables, okay? Now other places he would take them and say, you can have that. We need to listen to the Lord. He says, Jericho, this place was accursed. He didn't want the city to be rebuilt. It was serious. He wanted it wiped out. That's God's will, not man's. And he says, the silver, gold, and everything, bring it after you win the victory that I'm going to give. Bring it back dedicated to the Lord. It'll go into the, to the house of the Lord. All right, so let's, let's read. So the, 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 the city falls, and my, my message is not about the battle. It's about what took place afterwards. So chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel, this is after they went in, and God gave a great victory, committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And so, he's just telling us flat out what happened and who it was that did it. So then, y'all, I'm just going to paraphrase the next few verses. There's another little city a few miles away called Ai. And Joshua says, all right, now next, next on, the, on the program, we've got to take Ai and go out there and, and check it out. So he sends some men and they come back and they said, you know what, that's a puny little city compared to Jericho. There's just, don't let all the men be troubled to have to go to war. Send two or three thousand at the most. We'll take it. No big deal. Okay, that's the report that they gave. And so they went out and it says the men, uh, look at verse 5, and the men of Ai smote of them, of the Hebrews, about 36 men and chased them from before the gate even to Shebarim and smote in the going down, smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Wow. So maybe this is just 24 hours later. I don't know. But how quickly things changed. Shout, the Lord's giving you the city. The walls come crumbling down. They take, take it. This big, mighty city that was staring them in the face. Now they think we got it down. And this little town, don't send all of our soldiers. We won't need them. Now you say 36 people died. But you know what? 36 people died. That was husbands and fathers and whatever. 36 people died. They didn't need to die. And I think even greater than that was the hearts of the people melted. It was like 40 years before when they sent the spies into the land and they brought an evil report saying there's giants there. We can't possibly take it. And the hearts of all the people melted. So they come running back like scared little chickens and some have died and they fled before their enemies and are chasing them with the sword and all the rest of the congregation that's waiting back home sees them running back and saying, oh my goodness, what is going on? And now they're scared and the hearts of the people are melted. This was not God's plan. This was not His will. He wanted them time after time to rely upon Him, time after time to go with a boldness and a courage. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Let not your heart faint over and over and over. I'll drive them out. Obey my word. Keep your eyes on me. And so they don't know what's happened under the surface. They don't know what's happened behind the scenes. So I want to read it. And here's God's deal. And so we're talking about hindrances to prayer or hindrances to our blessing. Joshua was a man of God. He was a man of God before this incident. He was a man of God after this incident. But he had this incident in his life. And so did Israel. So pick up in verse 6. And we'll read through 13. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, o Lord God, wherefore hast has thou at all? Now look at, listen to what Joshua, he is calling on the Lord. Alright? He's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. But this was his mindset at the time. Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been 
content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Now, he wasn't so bad as the people to say, I want to go back to Egypt. But he did say it was safe right over there where Gad and Reuben Ice and the half-tribe of Dan decided to stay on the other side. You know, why do we have to come over here? Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what will thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also among them, and have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were, they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemy until that you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now we all know the story about Achan, right? We've heard this story. And what, what happens is, that the next day they call the Lord is in charge of all this. And the Lord says, who I, who I lead you to pick, that's who I want you to pick. And of all the congregation they're called, He says, I want the tribe of, of Judah. Because Achan was the tribe of Judah. And I want this particular family in this lineage. And I want this man that came down, I want Achan. Achan was chosen. He's the one that was guilty, Right? And they bring him out. And, and Joshua even says to him, confess what you've done. Don't hide it from me. Confess what you've done. Remember, 36 people died because of this man's sin. And even bigger than that was God's reputation and testimony. The, Israel, the reputation of the Israelites going forward into the land that God had for them. Okay? And so... Anyway, he, he confesses, I, I saw something, I coveted it, I took it. I saw a wedge of silver and I took some gold and some uh, garments that looked really nice and they're hidden in my tent, under the tent. And so Joshua says, sit tight. And he sends some messengers to go find out. Sure enough, it's all there. He says, now you bring Josh, uh, Achan and his family and all his stuff and you stone them with stones and you burn them with fire and they heaped a big heap of stones over them as a memorial to lift the reproach and the curse from Israel. Now it's pretty drastic. It's pretty severe. In our day and age, people say, oh my goodness, how mean God is. I'm just glad I don't serve the God of the Old Testament. Guess what? He's the same God. He changes not. He doesn't deal with everybody necessarily in that way. But He's the same God. And sin is still sin. And He can do whatever He wants to do. And he dealt with Achan in this way. And Joshua was praying. So we back up and we see in verse 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth <coughs> upon the face, his face before the ark of the Lord. Just picture it. He stays there until dark, until night, evening time. And he's saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. <coughs> so he's asking for something. He's praying for something, right? He wants the blessing and he wants the answer from the Lord. And he could have prayed forever and not gotten an answer to that prayer if he hadn't dealt with what God wanted to deal with. So I'm giving you the sermon in a nutshell. That's the sermon in a nutshell. He could have prayed by faith for whatever he was asking, victory in the next battle, uh, answer to what, you know, any, he could pray for all that as long as he wanted. But God at this point, when he spoke to him, was waiting on him at that point. You see what I'm saying? And look at verse 6 again. The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? I want you to get up. Why are you lying? You're asking me a bunch of questions. Why are you lying upon your face? Get up. And he says there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. 
that I said don't do it. And if you did do it, this is what would happen, what's happened. Because there's sin in the camp. And I think he could have prayed and prayed and prayed and wept and rent his clothes and written out beautiful prayers and sung songs and everything else. And God wasn't going to move and lift that reproach or move them another inch forward into the promised land. And he's the commander. Joshua is the leader of the people. He's a godly man. And he was godly in this, okay? But when God spoke to him and said, Get up, why are you lying around on your face? There's something I need you to do. So there was a hindrance to the prayers of Israel being answered and Joshua uh, being answered. God was actually waiting on Joshua to deal with the sin, remove the reproach. And God, I would say this, also was gracious enough and kind enough to reveal to the man, right? He didn't keep it a secret and say, I'm going to let him figure it out. Here's what's going on, Joshua. Get up. Deal with it. Here's exactly what's going on. Israel has taken of the accursed thing. Therefore, they could not stand before their enemies. No longer will I be among you and drive the enemies out from you until you deal with this accursed thing and lift the reproach. So he's very clear. I think it's kind of God to show him what the problem was and what to do about it. He shows us that in prayer. Okay? He shows us that in prayer when we walk with the Lord and we, we, we seek Him. And so, Joshua would never have known what the problem was. For the next 50 years, he would have never known what the problem was that happened at, at Ai as a result of what happened with Achan had God not showed him, right? The man's got the stuff hidden in his tent and everything just goes right along. God shows us stuff. He shows His people. It's important to Him. For His name's sake and for us, He did show Him. And the man was praying. He was doing what he was supposed to. Calling on the Lord. And so the Lord showed him. He showed him the severity of it. It was serious, wasn't it? It was serious. It's not the point of taking a few things. It's the point of, God said, when you go into Jericho, don't. Dedicate it to God. That's the importance of it. Not the monetary value of the clothes. It's one man and he only took a little bit of stuff. That's not the point. The commandment was for all Israel. Don't do it. Take it and dedicate it to God. Remember in Sunday school, low levels of sin come from low levels of God and His holiness. And so, they needed to see it big. God saw it as big. And uh, there's a time to pray and there's a time for action. There really is. I know where to pray without ceasing. Prayer ought to dominate our lives. I'm telling you that. According to the Word of God, men ought always to pray and not to faint. It ought to dominate our lives. There's also times for action when God would have us to go. I've told you about witnessing to your neighbor for 15 years. Go witness to your neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Go do it. And maybe, maybe God's waiting on us is the point. And so He shows us what it is. He shows us the hindrance. What is withholding our blessing or that answer from God? Even though we're praying for a good thing and we're praying by faith and we're being patient, but maybe... There's something He wants to show us. And we wouldn't know it except by the revelation of the Lord. Amen? He does show us. And God makes manifest, He says, the counsels of the hearts. God makes manifest the counsels of the heart. What does that mean? He can show Jenny, Jenny's heart. He might show me her heart. Some you know, gift of the word of knowledge or word of wisdom. He can do that. But typically, what's he going to do? If she'll sit before the Lord and be honest, God will show Jenny Jenny's heart. And he'll show Randy Randy's heart. That's the one I really need to know all the time. And he's going to show me, this is in your life. I've been trying to get your attention for the last 18 months. Trying to get your attention to show you this. You're begging to me for such and such. And I'm trying to show you this in your life. There's sin in the camp. Okay? Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Get thee up and go deal with it is what he's saying. And so, I thank the Lord that this is not... Uh, th this needs to be part of our Christianity. This needs to be part of our practice to sit before the Lord and when He shows us our own hearts, He does it because He loves us. I always say that. He's not showing you so He can just heap coals upon you and make your life miserable. And I thought I was pretty good and He showed me this sin in my life and this sin in my life and this sin in my life. 
Why is He showing you these sins in your life or my life? Because He wants confession and repentance. And He wants the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. And He wants that out of our lives. Just like He wanted to send out of the Israel and out of the camp. And when it was dealt with God's way, it was put out. Okay? And, and God did bless them after that. And they went on and possessed the land. But He wants us to, to deal with it, y'all. He wants us to deal with it and receive that complete forgiveness and restoration. Amen? And it's all for glory, the glory of God. Now, Joshua, the situation with Joshua and Achan, there was something hidden, obviously, and it was, hidden, it was hindering the nation. And the Bible said, it's interesting, I looked this up, I don't know why, but the Lord just had me look up Achan. You know, you look up in your concordance or a Greek edition, Hebrew dictionary, what does Achan mean? Like Joshua means like Savior. Okay? Emmanuel, God with us. What does Achan mean? Achan means troublesome or to trouble. That's what his name means. And I thought, wow, that's pretty telling because he was he had troubled the whole nation. But there's a little bit of covetousness. He troubled 36 men died. It brought shame to the name of the Lord. It brought a defeat when there should have been a victory. It caused the other people to be emboldened, the enemies of God to be emboldened against the people of Israel. Maybe that at Jericho was just a fluke. You know, it caused the enemies of God to think that. Maybe it caused the people of God to think that as well. So trouble. That sin can trouble us. God wants to reveal it to us, y'all. He wants to show us in our lives. So typically, day in and day out, He's going to show me about my sin. And there could that could be. I'm not telling you this is always 100%. Could be that's a hindrance or the reason for the delay and what God wants to do wonderful in your life next. The thing you've been asking Him for that's going to be better than you've even thought it was going to be. And it could be because we're the delay for our prayers. Why are you on your face all the day, all day long? Get up. I've showed you. Maybe you already know what it is. You just don't want to deal with it. Deal with it. And deal with it and put that away. And so I'm going to read just a couple more uh, scriptures. You can turn with me to Isaiah 59. A couple more scriptures before we close. Isaiah 59. Let's read 1 through 4. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Iniquity is sin, right? And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. So that's different than He can't help me. This problem's too big for Him. He's telling you, you got sin in your life. I'm ready to bless you more than you could handle. I'm going to bless your socks off. You know, I'm going to bless you. You won't believe how much I'm going to bless you. And He says, but your your sins have hid His face from you. Your, your iniquities... you. I heard a preacher say the only thing we can rightfully call our own is our sin. You know, and says, your, your sins has hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies. And so obviously he hadn't repented of these things, right? Because if they'd repented, they'd have been washed away as far as the east and from the west. He has removed our iniquities from us, David says. So they haven't repented and confessed these to God. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor pleads for truth. They trust in vanity, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That's Achan in the camp, okay? Achan in the camp with his stuff hidden in his tent and going to pretend like everything's okay. And that's what people do sometimes. They, they're going to go on with their prayer life, real Christians, with the stuff piled up under their tent. In other words, the, the sin's there. Whatever it is, God wants to deal it, deal with it and get it out. And that's what's glaring to Him. And He sees it because He knows it's hindering the intimacy and the fellowship with God. It's hurting your Christianity. It's hurting your walk with God. It's bringing damage to your soul and your spirit. Not that you're not born again. okay? But He sees the sin. He's looking right at it. And he's telling you about it. And you're going on with your prayer, prayer list. Or I'm going on with my prayer request. And God do this for me. And God do that. And Lord, please do that. And we're just going on with our prayer list. And He's saying, time out, time out, time out. We want to sweep that under the rug like Achan under his tent and go on with our prayer list. 
And God's saying, no. It's not going to be your way. It's going to be my way. Okay? And he's saying there's sin in the camp. I love you and I want to deal with it and get it out of your life. Then let's go on. I'll bring you way on. You know, much further on. And so, the Bible says in James, um, you strive and you bite and devour and so forth and you have not because you ask not. Well, some Christian, and I would do it too, say, well, time out, I am asking God. So one reason for not having would be not asking, right? You have not because you ask not. You say, well, I'm at, I am asking God. Then he says, you ask and receive not. Okay, now he's talking to me. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. I looked up amiss. It means this. This is how people ask sometimes of God. Alright? Amiss, the word means it's an adjective, adverb. It's how we ask. Okay? Badly. Diseased. Evil. Miserably. That's what amiss. So I'm asking of God but I'm asking evilly. I'm asking in a diseased way, in a miserable way, uh, badly, he says. Well, God's not going to answer that. It has to do with the condition of the heart of the one asking. And I'm asking for something even good, but I'm asking amiss or badly or diseased because my heart's wrong to the Lord. Maybe there's sin in my life that I'm overlooking, and I'm asking God that I may consume whatever He gives me upon my own lust and not for the glory of God. I want you to make me the most known preacher in the world and millions of souls come to know Christ through my ministry. Well, God wants to save millions of souls, but I promise you it ain't going to be for my glory or your glory. It's going to be for the glory of Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? We can forget who the ones were that He'll remember, but the world can forget who it was that led them to the Lord or preached that beautiful sermon. They'll remember Jesus who saved them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we don't want to ask amiss. We can be, and I'm bringing this to a close, I can be the biggest hindrance to my blessing. I can be. By not dealing with things that God wants to show me. So it's so important that we have, as part of our daily prayer time, that time where we're sitting before the Lord and letting Him search us. When we get up, we read our Bible, we close our Bible, we go off to work. He may show us halfway during the day while you're sitting there at lunch and you weren't even praying. Bam, He shows you. This is what I'm telling you about. Get up. Deal with it right now. Pick up the phone and call Him. Tell Him you're sorry. You understand what I'm saying? Tell Him it was sin and you were wrong. Do it. And that means do it. That means do it now. Because God's not going forward until you. And I can bring you forward until you do. That's, I thank the Lord for that. I said I, all the time, I'm so glad things are simple with the Lord. They're simple. They're really not complicated. Unanswered prayer is, is, uh, is not always, is not because, it's not ever because God doesn't love us or doesn't have the power to save us or help us or to answer that prayer. He wants to deal with that sin in our lives first. And so, uh, if, what if, for example, what if Joshua just prayed and prayed and prayed and said, let's go back and fight AI again. We're going to bring all our soldiers because last time we only brought two or 3,000. Let's regroup. Have you ever butted your head against the wall? Say, well, I'm going to try it again. Maybe this time I'll knock it down. Okay? It's stubbornness. It's in all of us. And so they could have gone and fought. They could have fought up the next 100 days straight. And every time they'd have come back defeated. 1,000 days straight, they'd have come defeated. Because they weren't going to win until that sin in the camp was dealt with. And it set a precedent, didn't it? it set a precedent. Because you know what the, one of the things the Lord would make the, the, the Hebrews do in the Old Testament? Is, is they would make them participate. You pick up stones and you stone them. Well, that's my friend Achan. Pick up your stones and stone them, okay? Because he's making an example that there wasn't going to be an Achan when it came to Ai. You understand what I'm saying? Tomorrow's battle, the next battle. I'm not saying that people were sinless from then on, but I can promise you it put a holy fear of God, especially when they had to pick up the stones and throw it and put the reproach away. Uh, it's just really something to that. But 
Um, the Bible says, let your weeping, uh, joy, you know, laughter be turned to mourning and so forth. Humble yourself in the, the sight of the Lord and, it, and, uh, and cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's telling us what to do. And then He's going to bring the blessings. And so I'm just about to close, but look, turn with me if you're still in Joshua. I want us to just close by saying how did all this end, end up? So Joshua did deal with the sin. Chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. He'd already told them this several times, okay? He'd already told Joshua that several times. Take all the people of war with thee, all of them, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and to her king as thou did unto Jericho and to her king. Only the spoil thereof shall you take for, for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. And so they went and took it. But isn't it interesting here? God can do whatever He wants. He didn't want to not bless the people. He wanted to bless the people, right? Take all the men of war. Okay, you dealt with the sin. Great. We're going to next step. You go back to Ai, and they're going to be like bugs squashed under your feet, just like you did to Jericho. It's going to be like that. Don't don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because the sin's been put away with, and I'm with you. And that's what we want. Is we want God with us. We want to be with God. Amen. And he goes, take it. You do just like you did to Jericho and Jericho's king. This time, when you get the gold, the silver, and the cattle, and I read that chapter this morning, and all the little nice stuff there. Not the idols and everything, but the good stuff, the cattle, the sheep. You keep all that for yourselves. Let that be a blessing for you. And they went and they took it. No problems. They had a special plan. They, they acted like they were running before, running from again. You know, went up to attack. And all the, the, AI, the people of Ai came out of the city and said, we got them on the run just like last time. They didn't know that a bunch of... Uh, Joshua had a big army behind him when they came out of the city. They went in the city and burned it to the crisp. You know, and then went out and chased them, and they killed every one of them. They had them; they were done. God had this plan, but the point was that the sin was dealt with. Then came the blessing, and God blessed them even more. Keep the spoil for yourselves; enjoy it. Okay, and I just want to close close with that thought that I don't want to be a hindrance to my own blessing, and I don't have to be. Okay. God is gracious and thou art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. He's very quick to forgive. But He's not going to ever cover it up. We talk about it all the time. It's covered up under our tent, but it's not hidden from God. You may not have to tell me about it, and I don't have to necessarily tell you about mine, but we do have to tell God about it. And we need to be dealt with it in that way and deal with the sin. Get up off your face. Deal with it. Okay? And God's going to help us and strengthen us. And so, I just want to open up the altars. You know, that that's, is a very, um, I think sobering is the word for it, story about Achan. There's no way to get around it. It was sobering. He was a Hebrew. He was one of the Jewish people. He was a soldier. And he sinned. But God, we read it before. When you go in and shout and God's giving you the city, don't make sure you don't take the curse thing or you're going to be a curse. You're going to make our people a curse and the nation a curse. Don't do it. And he heard just like everybody else heard. And he says, I did that, Joshua. I did just what I, I confess. I did it. I did it. And it cost other men their lives. And it cost a lot of other things. And that, that sin, his name Achan is trouble or troublesome. Our little sins that we cover up, my little sin that I cover up, is going to trouble me. But it doesn't have to. Because as quick as you can get it out of your mouth, if you're sincere with the Lord, you're forgiven. Quick, you can get the words out. I didn't quite reach your lips yet. And you're forgiven and cleansed. I mean totally forgiven. It's gone. He's not going to hold a grudge. He's not going to judge you for it. He won't bring it up at the judgment seat of Christ. He's got to put, put it back in your face and say, look, you did. remember when you did this? No, it's forgiven. He chooses to forget. Amen? And so these altars are open. William's going to come and, and lead a song in, in the... I want you to find a place the Lord would have us just to search our hearts 
include myself in this, all of us in this, that we would search our hearts before the Lord. We go to the Scripture all the time, but what David says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. He's asking the Lord and spend that time and see. And maybe you already know. Maybe you're here this morning and you've known for a long time some ongoing sin in your life that to be honest with you, you just hadn't felt like dealing with. But it's crystal clear right now in your mind and in your heart and in your conscience. And God's saying like He did to Joshua, get up from off your face. Put it away. How do we put it away? We're not going to have an ache and then we go stone. But we have sin we can confess and must confess. We can turn from it. We can call on the blood of Jesus. We can ask God to forgive us. We can acknowledge that it's sin and that I've been too long in holding on to it. Can we do those things? We can turn to God. We can ask Him for the strength to lay it down because Lord, I like my sin. I don't even want to lay it down. Or I don't think I can. We can ask Him for help. That the, the Holy Ghost, the Bible says God's a consuming fire. And that consuming fire of the Holy Ghost to consume our lives to make us holy as He is holy. We can ask for these things and He's going to graciously answer. That's a prayer He will answer. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's New Testament. And Father, we just come before You in the name of Jesus. God, I'm... We know that You're a God who answers prayers. We open with those wonderful Scriptures about whatever, whatsoever you ask, believe when you ask, and you'll have whatsoever you ask in Jesus' name. Those Scriptures are true. Those promises of God are true for us today. But Lord, we don't want to be a hindrance to our own blessing or a delay to our own prayer being answered. God, we don't have to be. Would You help us, Lord? Would You strengthen us? Would you reveal to us very kindly this morning? You didn't make Joshua wait a long time. He prayed till the evening and you showed him exactly what was wrong. And the next morning you showed him exactly who it was and how to deal with it. It was over in one day. Lord, I thank you for that, God. Because I believe there are great things you want to do in each of our lives. Each person here, from the youngest to the oldest, there are things that we don't even know of that are so wonderful that You want to do in and for us, and to us and through us. And we're sitting in neutral, not moving anywhere. Perhaps because we haven't dealt with something that needs to be dealt with. There are things You want to do for this body as a church. And maybe, God, we're not in a position because of, of sin that, that You're not pouring out that blessing. And your blessing is so greatly, but greater things that you're wanting to do, Father. Just forgive us, Lord. Wash us in your blood, Jesus. Help us, God, to be honest with God and honest with ourselves, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay.